Welcome back for episode three, all about why I don't fast for religious reasons. No, this isn't meant to be clickbait or causing controversy to get listens, but I truly believe this message could be helpful for some people who have also struggled with disordered eating and find themselves conflicted and triggered when attempting to fast for religious reasons. According to Wikipedia, fasting is the willful refrainment of eating for a period of time. In the episode last week, I mentioned that I used to use religious fasting as a cover for my true motivation of restricting food to lose weight. I thought it might be interesting to do a follow-up episode on why I choose not to fast for religious reasons. From the start, I want to make it clear that this episode is 100% not prescriptive. Well, the only thing I am prescribing is freedom. I'm not at all suggesting that other people should avoid fasting for religious reasons, that I disagree with it in general, or that I believe it's wrong or unhealthy. I just want to share my own story about why I have made this personal choice due to my own past experiences, my own triggers, and my own beliefs. Many religions fast. This is not a religious podcast, but I do think we can all learn from the benefits of the religious fast and possibly incorporate that into our lives. For example, look at how the practice of meditation, usually once thought of as an Eastern religious practice, has been adopted by Western psychology and medicine for its health benefits, totally devoid of the religious aspect of it. Fasting can be the same. There are proven health benefits to it, regardless of any religious experience attached to it. Even if we think of fasting as a willful refrainment from other things than food, such as certain activities for a period of time, there can be a lot of value in that kind of reset experience. Focusing on fasting as refraining from food as a religious practice, though, that's something I no longer do, and here's why. First, I think it's helpful to share my own personal experience with fasting. I grew up in a Christian, Pentecostal, very fundamentalist church. Definitely not every religion practices fasting the same way, not even every Christian denomination in the same way, and probably not even every church within that kind of denomination in the same way. Honestly, it comes down to a very personalized level of experience, which involves probably the specific spiritual leader who explained fasting to you, and then even just the modeling of others around you who you respected, and how their spoken and unspoken example taught you about it. For me, I had some very unhealthy experiences with fasting, including what I did actually hear from the pulpit, what wasn't said directly, but what I picked up on through watching others, and what I just decided to do on my own, even though nobody was encouraging me to. A lot of other religions and even Christian denominations have scheduled set-aside times for fasting, following a religious calendar that goes back thousands of years. Think of examples like Ramadan or Lent. My perception of my religious upbringing was that fasting was much less scheduled and done more on an as-needed basis. We were taught that fasting and prayer should be a regular spiritual discipline, as Jesus modeled, but what I noticed was that it wasn't actually regular, meaning practiced regularly regardless of what was going on, as much as it was practiced as needed. Some of the reasons for as needed might include that you were seeking God to give you an answer on a specific question, to do a miracle that you needed, to cleanse you from a sin you were struggling with, particularly if you had recently had a pretty big transgression. I also noticed that the only time we really had scheduled fasting was usually every January, and it was supposed to be this time of vision seeking for the new year, where the pastor of the church asked us all to fast together for a period of one to two weeks. During this time, I rarely heard anyone report back about the vision they were getting, but instead they were always talking about hoping to lose the holiday weight and then reporting on how much they did lose. 
Other times that I was asked to fast as part of the whole church, not scheduled but as needed, included when the church needed some kind of a financial miracle or when our spiritual fervor had grown cold. While all of these reasons for fasting do involve connecting with God, there was always some specific outcome that was hoped for. And when I reflect back on it now, it always felt like some kind of transaction or some kind of magic or some way of trying to earn, which really turns me off now. Maybe I just perceived that others were doing it this way because I was doing it this way. Who knows? And I know that this was just my individual experience, not the way everyone else does it. Add to this religious experience with fasting my own hangups with my weight and body image and how I was already practicing food restriction and self-deprivation as a way to fix myself. It's not hard to see why I would approach religious fasting in the same manner and why I don't look back on any of my experiences with fasting as particularly beneficial for me. What I ended up learning later was some historical context for religious fasting. See, thousands of years ago, it would take literally hours to prepare one meal. Cooking from scratch back then meant the whole process of slaughtering an animal to getting it on the table. Even baking bread took a long time, waiting for the yeast to rise. It was a whole thing. When people fasted, it freed up hours of time each day, especially for women who were primarily responsible for preparing meals. The purpose of fasting was not as much about restricting or depriving yourself of food as it was about freeing up the time that was spent in total on preparing food, eating, cleaning it up, and using that time for more intentional connection with God. What would it take to create the same end result today? Ordering takeout for every meal for a week or even not eating at all would eliminate food prep and cleanup time, but certainly not for the same number of hours that it used to take. So let's say at a minimum that fasting used to free up three to six hours a day. What activities would you have to restrict yourself from or fast from in your day to free up that amount of time? It would likely mean a break from social media, television, candy crush, or your email. Imagine putting up an away message that you're refraining from all email for Lent. Then what if we used that freed up time for more sacred activities, like being out in nature, journaling, intimacy with your partner, playing make-believe with your kids, laughing your butt off with a friend, looking someone you love in the eyes and truly listening for an hour, or actually creating something instead of consuming. I feel connected with the divine through all of these things, and I think prayer is much more expansive than we think. I like to imagine that women looked forward to fasting. I mean, imagine all the extra time spent with their girlfriends. You might be thinking that I'm making fasting sound like self-care. Yeah, I am. And this is how I practice religious fasting today. It helps me get to the real point of fasting so much more than restricting food, which usually only ends up triggering me, causing me to binge, and then causing me to feel shame, which in my dark place makes me feel further from God, not closer. My personal perspective is that God is much more into resets than asceticism. Interestingly, Jesus was criticized by religious leaders for not fasting as much as he should have. The Bible shows that God asked people to observe lots of scheduled resets, including the Sabbath day of rest every seven days, not planting and harvesting every seven years, and forgiving all debts every seven years. A total fast from food truly does reset the body through allowing time for cell regeneration, 
or autophagy. What the heck is autophagy and why do you need it? Well, it means that your body basically cleans itself up. The word literally means that the body eats itself. It destroys your damaged cells so that new healthy ones can be built. Ketosis mimics fasting in many ways, including allowing the body to burn its backup stores of fat, reduced inflammation, mental clarity, and more. But only fasting from all food allows the cell regeneration. If you're trying to lose a large amount of weight that you care more about than cell regeneration, you might find it interesting that people who pair fasting with ketosis never need skin removal surgery, according to Dr. Jason Fung, because autophagy includes the excess skin. This is true even for people who practice intermittent fasting, which means just shorter fasts, usually somewhere between 16 to 36 hours. I've been practicing intermittent fasting as a weight loss and overall health strategy for several years. It's become super popular in the past few years. In fact, intermittent fasting was the number one diet-related Google search in 2019. Intermittent fasting, or IF, can cause weight loss for people who eat keto and those who don't, but it becomes so much easier to fast when your appetite is already suppressed due to ketosis. The easiest way to try out IF is to practice 16-8 fasting, where you fast 16 hours a day and you only eat within an eight-hour window each day. This is what I generally follow, eating my first meal around 11 a.m. and not eating after 7 p.m. It's very natural and easy for me to do, It's more effective to try to do a 24-hour fast at least two to three times a week. This would look like eating a really big lunch today and just not eating again until lunch tomorrow. For me, I find that once in a while, I tend to do that naturally anyway after a big lunch. But I find it impossible to do this with dinner. If I eat dinner tonight and then I try not to eat again until dinner tomorrow night, all of my old triggers come right back. So I just don't do it. I feel like it's, of course, psychological, but even when I intend to do a 24-hour fast from lunch to lunch, that triggers me too. So again, I just don't do it. I just let myself naturally do a 24-hour fast if I end up having a huge lunch. But otherwise, I tend to just practice 16-8, where I eat between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m., or once in a while, even 18-6, where I eat between noon and 6 p.m. So I no longer fast for food from religious reasons but I do practice fasting, intermittent fasting for health benefits. One Bible verse that has really become a primary filter for me is the one that says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. If I'm not feeling freedom, but instead I'm feeling trapped, weighed down, anxious, or angry, I'm either doing it wrong, in which case maybe I can keep the action with a heart adjustment, or if I just can't seem to manage that, I shouldn't be doing it at all. For me, I find so much more freedom and much more connection with God by fasting from other more time-consuming activities for religious reasons. I think anyone, religious or not, can really experience a lot of mental health benefits from practicing resets like that from time to time. I do practice intermittent fasting for the health benefits. I tried out different forms of it until I found what worked best for me, meaning didn't trigger my old unhealthy mindsets, but still gave me the health and weight loss benefits I was looking for. Again, I want to make it really clear that I'm not trying to give religious or even medical advice related to fasting, but I hope that maybe someone listening who has also struggled when it comes to religious fasting of food might hear this and might find freedom and permission to try something different. 1 Corinthians 13, sometimes called the love chapter, is often quoted in wedding ceremonies. 
You're probably familiar with the part that says love is patient, love is kind. Well, that chapter starts out basically by saying that we could do all these great and pious things, helping others, giving to the poor, but if we didn't do it with love, it doesn't count for anything. It's meaningless. If I can't fast with a motive of love, what's the point? If I'm so triggered by the whole thing that I'm feeling those old feelings of self-hatred, but I'm doing this good religious activity, how is that helping anything? Forget about fasting. We can all relate to this. If we're trying to lose weight and taking all the right strategies, but our motive is not self-love, but self-hate, what's even the point? Course correcting that internal attitude is something that I practice daily, and my coaching work is all about helping women to do the same. Did you know that I'm a weight loss coach exclusively for women? I work with clients one-on-one and in small groups. It's very personal and it's holistic. We talk about the practical and the personal, the habit changes and the mindset changes. It's a ton of listening to you and helping you unlock your motivation to do the things you already know, because of course everything you need to know is free on YouTube. Coaching is not just about changing behavior or habits, but changing beliefs, which means changing behavior for good. I would love to work with you. You can learn more about my coaching services at theketofit.com. In the meantime, I'll continue to serve you with free helpful content here on the podcast, and you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram at theketofit. Remember, you're allowed to be both a masterpiece and a work in progress simultaneously. See you next episode.